Hey, Rick, we had Stacy Patlan on, and phenomenal agent, especially she started in the investment side. She's now building her brand out even more, which is phenomenal. Uh, but what was your key takeaways? I think, I think the, I think the investment side and how much she understands the, the renovation of a property and how much a, a renovation costs. Cause that can be a real detriment, whether you're buying an investment property or a, a home to buy, you know, for your, your family. Um, it, you, it's very difficult to, to know what it's going to cost and what type of things need to be done. And you, and she's somebody who really understands that and knows what those costs are going to be. Yeah. I mean, the investment side is very, especially for the average person is very, question mark. You just don't know very much. And she walks you through it. She does everything. And this is a, if you are looking for an investments or possibly trying to do that, uh, you should definitely listen to this. Welcome to Indy's Real Estate Gurus, your ultimate guide to the dynamic world of real estate in Indiana. And I'm Rick Ripma, your hardworking mortgage guy. And I've been in real estate and mortgages for over 24 years. And I'm Ian Arnold, a loan officer on Rick's hardworking mortgage team. And we are both with Advisors Mortgage Group. Together, we'll empower you with expert advice, market trends, and successful stories from guru realtors and local experts. Whether you're a homeowner, investor, or pro, join us as we navigate the thriving indie real estate market. Now, get ready to unlock the doors of success, one episode at a time. Well, today we are very excited. We have Stacy, I knew I was good, Patlin, <laughs> yeah. Patlin, Patlin. I, I knew I was going to forget it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and it's, it's terrible. It's Indies Properties Are Us. Yep. Like, like Toys Are Us. Toys Are Us. Mm -hmm. Or Kids Are Us. Yep. Yep. And are you, is that the, the main company or is, are you, a, okay. So um, Indie Properties Are Us is my flipping and investment company. Um, I use it for a lot of my advertising as well. Um, but I am starting a team and we're going to build that as Possibility Realty. Okay. Um, and to kind of show your possibilities and just traditional buying and selling. Yeah, and that, that, that's for, for somebody who's now buying a home, selling a home, yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, kind of your traditional, so yeah, your traditional buyer seller. Yeah, all right, perfect. Well, let's get let's get to where you were before real estate. So where, where did you grow up? You know, what did you do before real estate? Where'd you go to school? Those kind of things. Um, so I grew up, I was in um, Fountain City, Indiana, my until I was about eight, and then uh, graduated from Richmond High School. So we're about an hour away, right on the Ohio border. Um, graduated from there, moved here when I was 18, went to IUPUI, um, started nursing classes and going through the nursing program and decided while working in a hospital that nursing just, while I liked it, it was very selfless um, and very routine. And so I was looking for a change. Yeah. My brother did nursing at IUPUI also. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a tough and, program. Yeah, he, and he he he's he's still a nurse. He's a, uh, a pediatric um, emergency room nurse at yeah. Cleveland Clinic. Oh, cool. And uh, but I don't think he really liked it. I mean, there are a lot of aspects of nursing that I do like. I do enjoy caring for people, which I think that's part of being an agent is caring for people and taking right. care of them. Um, but it's not as abusive. I think yeah. nursing is kind of, you get kind of abused and you get to see people at their worst and that's tough for them. So yeah. um, it also weighs a lot on you as well. Yeah. So. That's why he did pediatrics. Yeah. Because he says, he says kids don't want to be sick. Yeah. No, they don't. He says, so he really, that's, he says adults, some adults want to be sick. Yeah. They like the attention. And, and so he just, that, so that's what he does. But anyway. Yeah. No, I get that. I just think it's interesting. So 
you grew up, so my, where, the town you grew up in was? Richmond, Indiana. Richmond. Yes. Okay. So I knew it was near Richmond, but it was. Well, I Fountain City from Fountain City. Okay. born to about eight. And then and you then, moved to Richmond. Yeah. So I'm very familiar. From what I can remember in my life, Richmond is home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so now you go to, you go to nursing school, mm -hmm. you decide that's not for you. Yep. How, how, what did you do between there and real estate or, or is that when you went into real estate and what was it that yeah. interests you? Yeah. So, um, my business partner, Courtney Wheeler, um, we were life partners at one point in time. Um, he was doing real estate wholesaling. So wholesaling is basically selling contracts, right? You're negotiating with motivated sellers, off-selling them to investors okay. for either rentals, flips, 1031s, any of that. Um, so he's like, well, why don't you just go ahead and kind of do some of our admin stuff? We're getting kind of busy. So I started just doing that. Um, and it just grew from there. Okay. So, and I really enjoyed the people part of it. So, okay. so it's a lot of agents have seems like that's what's happened is they they didn't mean to get into real estate, but they get into it. And it's like, oh, I really like this. And yes. it becomes exactly what they wanted yes. to do. It's a, it's a neat, I would think, to discover that yeah. in your life. Yeah. Well, and um, at that time, I think I was maybe 19 or 20. So I oh. didn't, my parents were ravaged buyers and sellers of like, they would buy a house, fix it up, move every couple of years. So I oh. lived in like nine houses in my childhood. Um, so I knew kind of a little bit of the construction aspect and I really liked kind of the idea of building equity and then selling. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of childhood background of okay, yeah. my knowledge of real estate, which yeah. isn't a lot, but so as a kid, what was your, what was your dream job as a, um, I grew up in a middle-class household where you go to school, you get a job, you work nine to five, you come home and you don't complain. Um, so I was very much, <laughs> don't, complain. <laughs> don't complain. I was very much kind of pushed into the college lifestyle. And I think nursing was kind of my dream. That okay. was something I really wanted to do. I saw it as, um, very stable income. You had a job, you know, in high school, you had charts of like what careers are going to pop when you're older and what are they going to need? Right. And it was trades and nursing. And it's like, okay, we'll go yeah. into the medical field. Yeah. So Isn't that, to me, that's kind of a terrible way to pick a career Yeah. is, well, there's going to be jobs available. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's better than no jobs available. And you <laughs> right. spent 20 years trying to focus on one thing and there are no I jobs. I didn't say it was the worst way. <laughs> I just said, I don't think it's a, I think people need to, like, I, I have two kids who've built their careers. Yeah. Because they're birders. They love birding. And so they build a career in birding, which who yeah. would have thought that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, going into school for just some weird degree and the the way it actually takes you. Sometimes I think the people that are in those awkward or not even awkward, but hey, I'm in school for liberal arts or whatever it could be, geology. You're like, what are you going to do with that? And then you see that they find a very satisfying career because yes. it's something they're interested in. And it's also a degree that can be used yeah. anywhere else. And you know, that's the thing. You get the degree. I think that's, if somebody wants a degree, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like you have to have a degree. Right. I think that that's a big misnomer. Yeah. And I think that's changed. It, it, late recently. But I do think it's important that um, if you do go to, if you go to school, just get a degree, even if it's in something that may not have jobs, yeah. having the degree will put you, you in opportunity. places. Yes. Yep. Yeah. They just want someone that's educated. If they, yes. if they can see that you can follow a regimen of college, that you can follow a regimen and training of a, yeah. of a career. I could not do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that's probably my biggest issue is I did not enjoy the study aspect of it. Yeah. So, 
All right. So you said you do more on the investment side. Yes. So let's get into that. So what what do you mean by you do the investments? Um, so like my day-to-day is um, working with investment clients. So um, I kind of streamline my process of helping them find, whether it's flipping, renting, burring, Airbnb, um, some are doing 1031s. So I like to go in, I try to find something that I would personally buy as a good investment, um, kind of walk them through the process, show them the numbers. So I work with investors to help them buy their investments. Um, I also help them with project management of those investments to get them up to par. A lot of my clients are West Coast and East Coast, some are in Texas. So they need someone that's knowledgeable um, to be here and know what they're doing. So that's kind of my investment side. And I really do enjoy working with those type of clients because it is very much money based versus the retail side can be very emotional. So you have, you know, you have your clients texting you at midnight, very upset, nervous, like what's going on. I've done plenty of retail deals, um, versus an investor. They're like, I'm working nine to five, what's going on weekends off. So I have a very controlled schedule, I feel like. Um, so that's something I really enjoy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but it is a big different mindset between yes. either or. So it's nice that you uh, have you do that, and now you're opening up another company yes. or a part, uh, which you're going to help focus more on the individuals. Yes. So that's kind of nice that you you can still stay somewhat separate to a point. Yes. <laughs> it's because that mental back back and forth. Wait, you need to be coddled. You just need to find out the raw numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, I just hired an agent. His name's Jeremy Johnson. Um, he was actually one of my clients. Um, he's a retired veteran. Um, he was doing some flips. He was like, hey, I want to get my license. I need something to do. Like, I enjoy working with you. So he's like, why don't I just come work under you? You teach me the ropes. He's like, I'll take on the retail side and we can kind of go in as a dynamic duo. Because um, I'm very personable. I mean, he's ex-military, so he's very st- stern, um, which I think some clients enjoy that. Um, but I think it will be nice to have someone else that can take on the leads that I get that are retail that I can't spend all of my time on and coddle. And, you know, when you have four or five retail clients at a time, that can be very exhausting. So being able to pass the baton to him and teach him kind of my ropes, he also has the investment mindset. So he understands how to price a home, um, going in with a way of giving valid, um, updates or things that could be done to increase their value to help their sale. I think a lot of agents don't always do that. I think a lot of agents just come in um, and just like it is what it is. Let's sell it versus giving them some ideas of, hey, here's where we're at with pricing now. And here's what I forecast. Um, but let me tell you a couple of things that we could do to maybe update the home that's relatively low cost. Um, and my that's why I call it possibility realty. I want to show what are your possibilities and whether that's me financing your rehab cost and then picking it up on the back end on the close. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities. And I think that'll bring a lot of value to a lot of sellers, especially like it's expireds that just weren't worked right. That could, you know, just maybe needs carpet and paint to help them get rid of it. So yeah, especially with nowadays with the low inventory. Let's yeah. be honest. If a house is sitting, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's usually maintenance issues yep. or something. So you being able to, to, all right, well, we can do it. But then we can do this floor. We can change this, this, and this and fix all that those issues yep. and put it on the back end. So. Yep, for sure. And and something I, um, so my managing broker, his name's Brent Records. And um, I give him a lot of credit 
um, I was, my first brokerage was Carpenter. I switched from Carpenter um, about a year in. I learned a bit from them. Um, went to Front Porch. Front Porch ended up selling to Tucker um, with Jim Perry and uh, Rick Daves. So I went over to Fathom Realty, met Brent, and um, he's super knowledgeable. And so he has a property IQ trademark program. Basically what it is, is you come in. So as the agent, he'll come in, um, obviously at a full listing commission, um, do an appraisal, do an inspection, um, all pre-list. Um, there's some rules you have to list within like, you know, $5,000 of the appraised value. Um, you have to make the major corrections on the inspection report. Um, so I think that's something I'm going to take into consideration to do for my clients because to be able to present, Hey, here's an inspection. Here's the, or here's the receipts for the repairs. Here's an appraisal. So, you know, you're actually buying something that's priced right. Um, I think that could be very valuable to sellers and buyers. Yeah. That sounds like a great thing to do. It, it, it amazes me the things that, that make total sense, but it's hard to implement sometimes yeah. to get people yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that you should have a, a human underwritten pre-approval if mm-hmm. you're a buyer. Yes. Right. Absolutely. That's what I believe. It is hard to get real estate agents and customers to understand that. Yeah. I don't know why it'd be hard to get realtors to understand that. Because <laughs> when I get a like a Chase, Chase bank approval or a rocket mortgage, I am like, does your buyer really want to use this? Is there any way we can maybe like how long ago did they run their credit? Can we run with someone else? Do you have any preferreds? And sometimes it's just the client stuck on it and you can't get them to move. But I think good experienced agents understand ha- the importance of having a live underwriter. Yeah. Because like day of closing, there could be something that pops up. Yeah. You right. need someone to answer the phone. Right. And you need, in my opinion, before before they ever go and make an offer, it should be an offer if made with a pre-approval that's human or live underwritten. Yeah. A, a real human mm-hmm. underwrote the file. Yep. That means you're basically, you have the appraisal, the purchase agreement, and as long as nothing weird happens, they lose their job, you're going to close. Yep. That's right. right. Exactly right. And it, it's so simple, you know. It makes sense to me. It's what it's just like the property IQ. It's yeah. something that's so simple, but why is it so hard to implement? Right. But, yeah. And I think it's just educating the public of, you know, yeah. It it's been, you know, we have the lawsuits with NAR. We have all kinds of things going on. It's always been buyer beware. And so I think... I want to bring trustworthiness into the real estate, back into real estate, because I think it used to be very trustworthy. And um, all of the agents I've worked with, I, I haven't really worked with anybody that I've felt malice from. Yeah. So I just want to place that calmness back into people. Like, please get representation. It's just like you wouldn't go to court without a lawyer. Right. So. Yeah, I'm I'm listening to I I joined Masterclass and it's, mm-hmm. it's online. You can yeah. But one of the one of the guys he's a uh, sales persuasion, you know, sales expert. And he was, I was listening to it today. So it's fresh in my mind. You had said, you know, it used to be, um, and people feel like pressure and all that. And he's, and he explained 10 years ago is when it all changed. Yeah. Because it used to be where we, the sales people held all the knowledge. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And now Anybody can get the knowledge. So yeah. it's not the same thing. And so people people haven't changed. They don't realize that it's totally changed. And, and unless you're, I mean, you're not going to get your, you shouldn't be taken advantage of by anybody no. because you can go get knowledge. Yeah. So, you know, so find people who you can trust and mm-hmm. you know, you're, you don't, you don't have to be that same person. But he said, the other thing I thought was very interesting is he said, 
that they did a survey of about 2,000 people. And he said, you know, what, how do, what do you see as a salesperson? Mm -hmm. Almost every, first of all, every single person saw it as a male, not a female. Okay. I and, don't doubt that. And the vast majority of them saw him as a, as a car, used car salesperson in a, in a terrible, you know, suit coat and, and uh, what are those pants called? Polyester pants. Yeah. That's how they saw him. Yeah. And that, and, and it's so, it's so bad because you're not like that. And no, we aren't like people aren't like that anymore. It's, yeah. We're there to help you mm -hmm. because you can get all the information. And our job really is to give you the information. Correct? Yeah. It's to give you the information and to make sure that everything is legal and binding and that you have some sort of liability on both sides. Um, I agree that it, we are like that kind of like a car salesman, you know, and I am a very salesy person. I'm pretty personable. I can talk, but I'm also an agent that I'll walk in a house and I'll say they love it. I don't like to deter my clients, but I like to educate. Like, I know you love the house, but I can foresee some issues coming up. Right. So, um, I think a lot of my clients really appreciate that, especially on the investment side, because a lot of agents will see, you know, Oh, look, quick $90,000 sale cash. It'll be done in two weeks. Don't have to worry about it versus going in and I'll actually check out the plumbing, check out your electrical, look at the foundation, see if there's any sort of sagging in your roof. Um, and I'll point those things out. I don't want to hide those from my clients because my right. goal is I want to sell you something that I can then sell again. So right. I don't want to sell them a bad investment. Yeah. I think the whole sales thing is, is very interesting. It's, and I think it's more of an American thing just because what are the main two things people haggle over? Cars and houses. Mm -hmm. You don't go anywhere else and really haggle about anything else. Mm -mm. So let's be honest. Everybody's going to look at, main people do it is in cars. So, yes. and then everybody got the bad image of the car guys yeah. long ago. Yeah. Uh, that's a big story I can go into later. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but then the next one is buying a house and, you, and most people don't do it a lot. Yeah. So then they like, if they got a great deal, then they're like, Oh, I, that person was awesome. But yeah. if something were to happen, then all of a sudden you're the bad guy yes. or I'm the bad yes. guy and had nothing to do with either one of us. No, it didn't. It's like, you know, I think that's also, I do think it is an American thing. Sometimes I think a lot of people lack accountability, um, and their actions as well. I mean, we can advise as much as we can, but obviously we can't make them sign the piece of paper. Yeah. So. Well, since you take great care of your customers and I want you to get as many customers as you can, and I'm tired of your new guy that you just hired sitting around playing on his phone. Not <laughs> saying he's actually doing that, but just yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best way someone get a hold of you if they're looking to buy, sell, or talk about investments? Yeah, just uh, call my cell phone. I still have a 765 number from when I was in high school and I got into real estate when I was young and they said, to uh, change your phone number is business suicide. So uh, my number is 765-969-6066. It's a whole lot of sixes, but you can call or text me. Um, text probably best. I get lots of voicemails. And honestly, I have um, Xfinity Mobile and their voicemail system is terrible. Is it really? <laughs> I'll get something downloaded like two weeks later. I'm like, where did this come from? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's not good. No, no. That's not good at all. So- um, you also are looking for real estate agents. Is that correct? You're building your yeah, team? Yeah. Um, I'm looking for someone. So the client I just, or the agent I just hired, he was a client. So he has a little bit of real estate knowledge. Um, I'm open to novice, like new agents, but they have to be willing to kind of go through the steps I want to give. I've, I've built my career based on doing some processes and, um, I know a lot of agents struggle 
Um, but I just network a lot. I am in meetups. I go to um, Syria events, which I'm a big part of, which is Central Indiana Real Estate Investors Association. So I just mix and mingle with a lot of people. I'm out and about. I spread my name. I give my business card to waiters. And um, I, they just need to be willing to put in the work and not get discouraged because you probably won't get your first deal in the first few months. Yeah. It's going to take a minute. It's, it's tough to get going. Yeah. And to get a hold of Ian or I, go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can give us a call at 317-672-1938. It's 317-672-1938. That is a call. It is, does not accept text. <laughs> you got it right. It's I should job. probably change the number and use one of my text numbers that you can text. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you made a good point about your number being a 765. I mean, some people, like they said, oh, you need to change your number because you're in this area. It doesn't matter it anymore. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. It, well, let's be honest. There is no more long distance calls. No. I mean, unless you're calling overseas. Yeah. And then what is it? Even here in Indiana or Indianapolis, it's 317 or now 463. Four, six, three. Yeah. So it throws everybody off. So I'm like, even my wife, she's always kept her, hers is 260. Yeah. So she's just kept it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to change it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think there's any reason to change it. And honestly, those numbers stick out. When I see them on a sign, I'm like, oh, that's that agent. When I see them, text uh, me. So <laughs> it's actually kind of a reminder, not the same 317 number. Anytime everybody sees sixes, they're like, hey, that's Stacy. Yeah, I have so many sixes in my phone number. It's ridiculous. Uh, hey, it makes it easier to memorize. Yeah. All right. Sure. So if I actually take away your phone and tell you you cannot work for 24 hours, what do we catch you doing for fun? Catch me doing for fun. Hmm. That's a good one. And if I, could I leave Indiana? Yes. I would be on a beach. <laughs> I would be and on a Indiana? beach. Not in Indiana. <laughs> it's been really cold. Uh, I am a water baby. Like anytime I go on a vacation, it is somewhere tropical, somewhere warm on a beach. Um, I like taking cruises. So those are really fun to me. Um, if I had to stay local, hmm, if I had to stay local, I really don't know. There's a few things I've been wanting to try. Like I've been wanting to try um, some Pilates classes. So maybe I'd venture out and do that. Um, I also, there's a couple new restaurants I'd like to try. So maybe just take a day date with myself. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So where's your favorite place to vacation? Favorite place to vacation on a cruise ship. So it moves. <laughs> there is no set location. I told my wife we should do it, but she's anti it. And then she hears a story on the news. Oh, this boat got stranded and all they had to eat for a week are Pop-Tarts. And I'm like, she's like, that would be us. <laughs> no, no, no. I've been on, I think, six cruises now. Um, and they are very enjoyable. Um, I And some people do not like them because they are, you are confined to a space until you get to an island. And if you're not well-traveled or good with getting along with locals, then obviously it's probably not fun. Um, but as a woman and a mom, I don't have to think about where we're going to eat. You can eat whatever you want. So I'm going to go here. You can go there. Dinner's at whatever time and we're eating whatever they're eating. Then you have a room steward that cleans your room. Even if you leave it a mess, they will clean your room. They will hang your clothes up. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a break. <laughs> I, I love cruises. Yeah. 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 I think there are a lot. And I, I w- before I ever went on one, I thought, I don't want to ever go on a cruise. That sounds horrible. It's, like you said, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. There's so much entertainment. There's absolutely something to do at every moment of the day. Yeah. Um, the evening's always fun. Comedy shows, they have really good theatrics. So, um, yeah, that's... What's your favorite cruise line? I have only cruised with Carnival. Okay. I was supposed to go on my first cruise um, March of 2020. 
Oh. And we saw COVID happening. I was like, I'm still getting on that ship. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I saw the one that was stranded and they were all like quarantined on the ship for two weeks. And I was like, never mind. Yeah. And then they canceled it. So we had a major cruise credit. So we were in a, we were able to take like three cruises based on our original credit. Wow. From pre-COVID prices to post-COVID prices. So that's why I've ch- chosen Carnival yeah. and we have casino benefits <laughs> <laughs> what was your what, what was your favorite location for for going or what is your li- um i really enjoyed honduras okay yeah um it was very beautiful very tropical it was a small island on honduras i don't remember what the island was called um but we got to see the sloths and um, a whole bunch of different exotic birds um we had a tour guide that took us around so it was really neat to see to actually you know there's a lot of propaganda here of like third world countries. And while it was very third world and very poor, there was also very nice areas and it was fun. It was yeah. fun. It was really cool to see. It was kind of eye opening. Yeah. Honduras is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been there one time, but we were on the, the mainland. Okay. And it's, it's a beautiful country, but it is poor. Yes, it but, is. But by going there, you're helping out those people, yes. you know, and, and they're all friendly and nice. It, I don't know if you saw this, but it's a little odd you're driving down the road well you know we were always with a tour group and you, you there's guards outside of their stores and things like that mm-hmm. and i said well what's why and they said well because there's no police close by oh so they have they have security yes we went to we drove past a wendy's and i said i want to eat a wendy's out of the country so we went and ate wendy's and there was a like an armed security guard with a lot large rifle i'm like is this necessary but yeah it Probably so, but um, our tour guide, we did, we hailed a, a taxi on our own. Um, he charged us like $75 for the whole day, um, and then we tipped him well. And he, the tip, he was like, this is what I, if I were to work with the taxi company at the port, this would be, this is enough for my whole month's income. Wow. And so he was very grateful and yeah. gracious, and um, I enjoyed him. He taught me a whole lot. Like, he drove us past his personal home, so we got to see where he lived, um, which was kind of saddening. But, yeah. you know, it gives you a little bit of eye-opening and yeah. gratefulness for where we live. Yeah. Well, we were there. My son owns a bird tour company. Okay. And we were there on a tour. Very cool. I'm not a birder, but my wife is, so we went on the tour, and it was it was very eye-opening. Yeah. But we, we actually had lunch at, at a – at a house that's, you know, the, the resort sets that up through mm-hmm. his bird tour company. So very interesting. Cause it was, it was a nice enough looking house, but it, I mean, their wires are exposed. <laughs> yeah. It's different. Yeah. Like the house we drove Pat, like his house had like a 10 roof tarp sides. I mean, yeah, no running water, no nothing. Like they had a spigot that's outside that all the neighbors use. It's like, I couldn't imagine living that way. Yeah. We're so lucky. We are. Yeah, yeah, we have some issues here, but yeah. we're lucky. We're lucky. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. All right. You ready to ask your favorite question? Oh, I am. I'm glad you're going to let me. So what is your superpower or superpowers, would you say? Um, my superpower is analyzing a deal. Um, when it comes to finding investments, I'm very good at you know finding out what you should pay for it, what you could probably expect in a rehab cost, because I rehab myself, so I kind of know what you're rough estimate would be. So being able to help my clients buy property instead of overpaying and then being upside down and stuck. Because we use a lot of hard money loans. A lot of our clients use a lot of hard money loans. Right. And so those are interest only payments and those can be very expensive, especially if you get upside down. So um, I think that's my that's my main superpower. Yeah. It's, it's a, and vital 
when you're doing rehab to have somebody who knows what the cost is going to be. Because normally when you do rehab, you underestimate what it's yes. going to actually cost. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're familiar with wholesalers. I mean, wholesalers are obviously salesmen too. So they're going and finding motivated sellers. They're putting a price on it. Um, and they may give you an estimated repair cost to help sell it. Um, and those aren't always accurate. So it's good to have a second opinion with yes. an experienced person. Yeah. I think it's vital to have, or not maybe not vital, but I think it's extremely helpful to have the background you have Ha, ha, understanding investments and growing up in the investment world on real estate, I think it's I think it it really gives a tremendous amount of knowledge that a lot of other people don't have. So yeah. I think it's I think it, especially if they want to buy you know a, a house for investment. Yeah. Do you work with first time investors or do you work mostly with? No, I work with first time investors. Um, as long as they're motivated and kind of have an idea of what they want, I do like for my clients to, you know, I don't. I don't want to pick your strategy. Do you want yeah. to flip? Do you want to rent? What would you like to do and how do you want to do it? Yeah. Um, and from there, I can kind of put them on a goal path. Um, it's also very helpful for like my retail clients because, you know, they'll walk into a house and see bad carpet or a leak and it may be, it, they get nervous because they're used to calling like a Peterman's plumbing, who is a very a costly plumber. I have access to licensed plumbers that are just day-to-day guys that can fix that for a quarter of the price. So I'm like, we can get this done. Don't be nervous. There's things that we can work through, and that also benefits my sellers too, because yeah. they're not getting those high um, inspection response yeah, costs. It makes a difference. And if somebody is a, like looking at a first-time home buyer or first-time investor, there are loans out there. You know, there's there's a special loan, and you probably know about it, um, where you you qualify. You have to have good credit. You have to have your 25 percent down, maybe 20 percent down, but 20 25. And as long as the house cash flows at some point, yeah, you know you're going to qualify. Yeah. You're going to be able to do that loan. So those loans are, you know, DSCR. Yes. Um, debt service coverage ratio. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, but I just want people to know they're out there. Yeah. You don't have to have, you know, you have to have money and you have to have good credit. That's pretty, yeah. the money for the down payment, closing costs, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you can get, it's amazing what you can do. How, how it's a phenomenal loan for somebody buying an investment property. Mm-hmm. Cause what a, I mean, is there, is there, they're much better investment than buying real estate. Not in my opinion, but I'm also in the real estate world. So, um, I think every multimillionaire billionaire owns tons of real estate. So, um, I think it's very, it's, it's safe. I mean, it's also something, you know, as someone who wants to be a private lender. So say you don't want to be hands-on, you could private lend to an investor. Um, that's also secured by mortgage. So you have security on both aspects. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, real estate obviously goes up and down, but eventually it always goes up. So yes. And it, and it, I won't say it never goes to zero, but it's a, it's a rare time that would go yeah. to zero. Yeah. Right. We do not foresee an 08 again. No, even then they didn't go to zero. No, they didn't. You know, they maybe didn't. Some houses do, but yeah, it's, it's a much safer investment. Yes. Yeah. So since you know all about investments and you know all about, people buying and wanting to buy a house or even sell theirs. What's the best way someone can get a hold of you? Um, to just give me a call. Um, do would you like for me to list my number again? Yes. Uh, 765-969-6066. Um, I like to do intro calls. I'm more than willing to meet in my office. Um, my office is at the Irvington event center, which is off the of Shadeland and Washington street. I have an office there. Um, 
And if you want to come in and meet, we can kind of talk through your goals. If you're someone that's local, if you're out of state, more than happy to hop on a Zoom call with you, chat through things and uh, see where we can go. You are the first real estate agent asked, would you like me giving you my number again? Yeah. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that, that should be a no-brainer for a salesperson. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's good. And and just so everybody gets it, the number is 765-969-6066. Yes, correct. So there are a lot of sixes, but that, that makes it easy, I think. I think it makes it easier to remember. Yeah. If in doubt, dial six, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> And to get a hold of Ian or I, go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can give us a call at 317-672-1938. It's 317-672-1938. That is a call, no text. All right, Stacey. So we had a question of the week. Okay. And now this is going to probably be the hardest question we'll ask you. Okay. What was your first car? Toyota Corolla. Nice. I had a Toyota Corolla. So this is actually a hilarious story. Um, so my sister, my sister is seven years older than me. When she got her license, she got my mom's old car. When I got my license, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get dad's old car. And my dad had a prelude. And so oh, I was like, okay. oh, I were, that's going to be a nice car. I pull in the driveway. My friend's dropping me off. And there's now a truck in the driveway. So I'm like, I'm going to get a truck. <laughs> I was so mad and so distraught. And my dad's like, you're not getting my car. We're going to buy you a new one. <laughs> so I had a 1994 Toyota Corolla. It had 46,000 miles on it. I bought it in 2010, maybe. The lady was just a nanny, and so she just drove back and forth to school. So I drove that car till the wheels fell off. Yeah, Which means she's still driving it today. No, <laughs> no it probably is still rolling out there somewhere. He, he does like Toyotas. Yes. Yeah. That's his car of, of choice. Yes. Yeah, they're very reliable. Yeah. I prefer a Ferrari, but I mean, you know. Yeah, of, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I have investments and you do not. <laughs> A Ferrari's not an investment? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Maybe an appreciating asset, but I'm not sure. They say all cars are depreciating. Well, I'm really into cars. Okay. And I can tell you that a, you know, you get a, a Ferrari Dino, you know, 72 Ferrari Dino. Mm -hmm. When I first started looking at them, they were just at $100,000. They're now $300,000. I don't know. cars it. that go up. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're very right. So um, my family in Richmond is very heavy in the car business. Okay. So my whole family are used car salesmen. <laughs> Rick and I both are too, so. So um, they they do they do mostly hold, they go to auctions and okay. put them on yeah. a lot. But they also refurbish cars. So like my grandpa had like a 69 Impala that he built from the ground up. Okay. Um, I mean, they've done Thunderbirds, all all of that. So very, I am very into cars. I went to the car shows and I love that because I got to ride in the old cars that didn't have um, seatbelts. Oh, yeah. They're, that's great until you hit something. <laughs> <laughs> but as a kid, it was like, woohoo, I'm yeah. not restricted. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny because seatbelts, once somebody's in an if somebody hasn't ha been in an accident, they don't realize what a seatbelt actually can do for you. No, I wear mine. I swear I wear mine all the time. And yeah. when people like some people like put their seatbelt, just click it and then sit on top of it. Like, for what? Right. Why? Just use it. Just so it stops stinging. Yes, just so it stops stinging. Yeah. It's, like, it's like anything else. If you need it, you want it on. Yes. And really, they're very comfortable today. Y they yeah, really they don't, don't bother me at all. I've worn them for so long. I don't even, it's just automatic. Yeah. Absolutely. I will say it is weird because I used, uh, I told you, Rick and I used to be in the car business. So there'd be times where you had to just move a car or something like that. Well, at that point, I'm not putting my seatbelt on. Right. 
it feels weird. It feels I, weird. I just go to back up and everything. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. It, it, it's I'm like a like, blanket. Yes. And it's like, you're not used to it. Yeah. 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 I uh, automatically put it on. Yeah. I, even if I'm think I'm not going to do it, automatically it goes yeah. on. It just is an automatic, yeah. mm-hmm. automatic thing. I 100% agree. So I got, I, what are you really excited about or proud of in your business? Um, I think I'm proud of my accomplishments for my age. Um, I'm 29. So I've been in the business for like 10 years now. So um, I've built a really steady real estate career at a very young age. And a lot of people doubted me. So I'm very proud of that. Um, I'm excited because I am building a real estate team. So instead of just, you know, we all want to say we're entrepreneurs, right? But if you're doing your business every day, it's still a job. So I'm excited to build a team so I can make it more of my career and my business versus my job. So while I'll still be in in day-to-day functions, it won't be heavily reliant upon me. And that's obviously five, 10-year goals, but um, you got to set it or you're not going to get it. That's right. And and even if that's the case, you're still you're still the mastermind behind it. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. You're I want to be easily accessible. I don't I don't want to just leave the business and be done. I mean, I would go stir crazy if I was just like retired. I don't know what I would do. I mean, I'd I still enjoy being out and about. It's a lot of driving, a lot of working pieces. Um, and some days it is exhausting, but it's also very fulfilling because, you know, if my son has a field trip and needs a chaperone, I can take off. I don't have to ask. So I have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. And I honestly, if like there were no realtors ever again, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. I have no <laughs> idea what I'd do for my career. All right. So since you've been in the business for a long time, I want to hear a good story. So what do you think was one of your most memorable transactions? Most memorable. Lord, that's a tough one. Do you want a bad one or do you want a good one? Your choice. All right. We prefer bad though. <laughs> um, we will do one that kind of talks about loans. You can do one of both. Yeah. So we have one. I had one that um, it was very memorable. It was one of my very good clients. It was actually an agent that's with Fathom. She was a great agent. Um, we were selling the flip. It was completely remodeled. Um, it appraised $20,000 under. And this is like during COVID pricing. So it's like, oh my goodness, we're appraising under. So we get two new appraisals. The next one comes in over asking. And then the third one comes in a little under asking. So then it's like a whole debacle of which number are they going to choose? My seller ends up meeting in the middle. I don't know how they ended up figuring it out, but that was such a painstaking transaction for so many different numbers to come in with different variables um, so that one was pretty memorable. Um, I don't know. I have so many stories. Um, I've had houses where pipes have bust. I've had things where buyers have walked at the table and I have the seller. Um, I can't even put my finger on one. Wow. No, yeah. that, that would be really crazy to be at the closing table. And somebody just get up and walk out. Yes. Uh, I've had just it because you've already agreed to everything. Yeah. I mean, even when the loan process, let's say on our end, you have to you have to sign off on everything three days in advance. Yeah. So you already know the numbers. Yeah. So something else had to happen yeah. in that three days. Yeah. Um, and the lender was actually there. So some lenders, I don't know if you guys go to your guys' closings when you have the opportunities. Um, the lender was actually there and he was in a debacle. He's like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so that was pretty painstaking. Um I did actually just have one transaction. It's off of um, 32 out by Grand Park. 
and they're expanding 32. So my investor bought the house. She was going to flip it. She decided she wanted to go ahead and sell it. It's on three acres in Noblesville, really close to Grand Park, um, has a four-car garage with two apartments in it. So it's three livable spaces. Um, I actually have the buyer too. So now I'm representing both sides. Turns out the septic is just leaking into public waterway, waterways. So that was very educational because I got to meet with Hamilton County Health Department. I got to learn how they do the well tests or the septic tests. Um, and also kind of get pricing on septic because I haven't done a whole lot with septic being in the metropolitan area. There is septic in some places, but it's mostly public water and waste. So that was very interesting. The buyer was uh, initially was satisfied and the seller satisfied. Um, the benefit for the buyer is he has the three acres. They're going to widen 32. So they're going to end up taking the house. And he's like, that's fine with me. I'll just build a new one a little further back. So he's very excited about that because they'll obviously pay him for the house. Yeah. As long so, as they pay enough. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the key. They got to pay enough. Yep. Yeah. So your your first story with, um, you know, you talk, talked about, you know, they walked at the table. Mm-hmm. Is that the first one? But yeah. anyway, the first one was the appraisals. Appraisals. Yeah. So the, the appraisals. The thing people have to understand is a lender can't pick yeah. one of those three appraisals. Nope. Okay. Even to get a second appraisal in today's world is not the easiest thing in the world mm-hmm. to do. And to get a third one probably would be okay because you had two such varying yes. appraisals. Yeah. Um, but there has to be a reason, just so people understand, there has to be a reason in order to order another appraisal. Freddie, Fannie, FHA, VA, yep. they won't let, just allow you to... I don't like this appraisal. Let's get another one. Yeah, and you know appraisers go through a lot of training and everything else, but it's, they're not—they're human. Mm-hmm. They, they make are. mistakes too. Yes, they are. But I've had some appraisers who who do that, and then they'll they'll actually update their appraisal. Yeah. Others who get the fact that you question them really doesn't make them happy. Yes, I was going to say <laughs> they do not like you questioning their work. Um, when but when you're able to provi- provide decent evidence, you know. Yeah least take a look at it and kind of hear me out a little yeah. bit. You I know? find the good ones are okay with that. Yes. If you give them detailed information that they couldn't get. Yeah. A lot of times people give them things they already had. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I had all this. Well, and for my clients, I always do an appraisal package. So when I get the notification that the appraiser is coming in, I call the appraiser. I talk to him personally and I let him know I'll be available by phone for your entire appointment. And then if the email isn't provided, or if it is, I'll confirm their email and I'll put together an appraisal package. If it's a flip, I will show them before and after pictures. Um, if my client has like a long invoice, I will show them the invoice of everything they paid for to put into the house. Um, I will also write a brief description of every, I mean, if it was a doorknob updated, it's in that appraisal package. So I find good appraisers will actually sometimes attach it to the appraisal. Some of them won't. Um but I like to see that it's attached to the appraisal to kind of give evidence because sometimes we obviously some agents like to price high and investors always want to price a little high just to test the market. So I think when you're able to provide evidence, you get a little more leeway um, when it comes to your appraisal. Yeah. Well, I also 
you have to also look during that COVID time. You know, whenever if you were trying to appraise a house, three or four months in between appraisals could be drastic. Yes. I mean, because houses then were all right, we're selling at asking price. All right, now we're 20 over. Now we're 40 over. Now we're 60 over or yes. whatnot. Depends on the neighborhood yeah. and everything. It was a crazy time for everybody. Yeah. And I do, I think people should be, if you're someone that did not experience the COVID market and how stressful that was on a client, um, I mean, it was great for sellers, but it was very stressful for buyers. They were giving their lives away. Um, I mean, if you would like a calm market and to actually be able to negotiate a deal to where you're getting something and the seller's getting something, then you need to be buying now. I'm not sure what's within the foreseeable future. I mean, I've everybody's saying rates are going to come down and I kind of assume that they will be. Um, and will we go back into like a semi COVID market when rates come down? Yep. And so do you want to compete with that or would you like to be able to actually negotiate a fair price, get your repairs done, get some credits and maybe go into a house with, blow money down and save your savings instead of putting an appraisal gap in. Yeah. Cause Rick, Rick and I've had this conversation uh, and it's just like one of those things is cause the biggest issue now is inventory. Yeah. And guess what? That's not changing for any time soon. Uh, so with rates drop, people are going to be like, Oh, now, now we're down. It was whatever, seven, half, eight percent, whatever it was, but now we're down here. Oh, now it's time to move. So yeah. everybody's going to jump right back on that bandwagon. Yep. I think when they can, I think when rates can come down low enough to where they're kind of comparable to rent prices, then obviously people are going to come back in. But if they can rent something for cheaper, they're going to be kind of satisfied for now um, until they get tired of renting. Yeah. I, I'm noticing they're already coming back. And, and yeah. on, on that point that you made, the the appraisal gap, there actually are some strategies, depending on the situation, that you can work out as a lender. So if you do, if somebody has that, you know, or we get back into that market, you know, a good lender who knows what they're doing, we have strategies. Okay. You know, there are ways to, ways to get around, not around it, but ways to work, work through things like that. Very cool. Just so people know. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What do you think one of the biggest misconception about the real estate industry is? Biggest misconception is that it's a complicated process. It's really not. Um, when you hire good service, you will get good service and it will be very straight path. You know, I've had so many clients thank me because they're like, I'm on a roller coaster of emotions and you just held steady. I'm like, I got you what you needed, gave you what all the paperwork, got it all done, negotiated for you. Didn't have any arguments with, with the seller or the seller's agents or the buyers or buyer's agents because there can be conflicts there. Um, so I think that's the biggest misconception that it's like a huge daunting task and it's really not. I mean, it is it is something you have for 30 days. You have to be well involved. Um, but once you get out of that, you're buying your home. You don't have to worry about it. And it's not as hard as people think. Yeah. It certainly is not. Yep. All right. So I'll ask this one last time. Okay. Somebody's been listening to you for the last 50 minutes, basically. <laughs> so if someone wants to talk to you about real estate, buying, selling, investment, or even talk to you possibly coming on a team, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Yep. They can give me a call. Uh, 765-969. 
And to get a hold of Ian or I, go to hardworkingmortgageguys.com. That's hardworkingmortgageguys.com. Or you can give us a call at 317-672-1938. It's 317-672-1938. And please follow us for more Indies Real Estate Gurus. And a reminder, if you have any friends, family, or coworkers looking to buy, sell, or refinance, let us know. We'd be more happy to help you. Stacey, thank you for joining us on our show. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Branch NMLS number 33041. Written NMLS number 664589. Ian Arnold NMLS number is 1995469. Equal housing opportunity. Some restrictions apply.